Welcome back to another episode. I will tell you I'm sort of giddy because I finally figured out like my little plug for the podcast. You know how everyone's like, oh, you got to have a byline, all that stuff. So I figured it out, y'all. Here it is. Ready for it? Let's just all pause. You know, I'm going to take a drink of my McDonald's Coke, a celebratory drink. Mm -hmm. Welcome to After Hours with Amanda podcast, the parenting podcast that's not just for parents. Boom. I was so excited. (laughs) When that like random little thing popped in my head, I know it may seem silly, but I was so stinking excited and I'm so excited that you're back. I don't know what you're doing, but first we need to take care of some business. I have something very serious. I want to talk to you guys about, did you know, and I don't know if this is going to blow you away like it did me, that Taco Bell has a black bean crunch wrap, like just black beans. Did you know you can customize said crunch wrap? And before you guys get mad at me, I'm super nice when I order, but yes, I am mildly annoying. And Blake will tease me about it because I literally order, but I like to say I'm a woman who knows what she wants. You know, it makes me unique and I'm not mean when I do it, but Blake's always like, they're going to spit in your food at some point. (laughs) Sorry. But it's just like, you know, here's the thing. I ordered this black bean crunch wrap and then I found out that you can get the sauce from the quesadilla, that jalapeno, we call it jalapeno, but the jalapeno, that sauce on it. So I get a black bean crunch wrap and I slap on the jalapeno sauce and then I slap on some fresca and then I have them add guacamole. It'll change your life. Um, Gentle disclaimer here though, I don't add the cheese and the sour cream. I actually don't eat sour cream. My mom just never introduced me to it as a kid. And so now I just can't eat it. And with cheese, I'm super picky because when I was pregnant with, um, probably London would have benefited from it too. But when I was not pregnant, but breastfeeding with my second kiddos, dairy literally would give them the worst gas and I'm, they wouldn't sleep, um, because they'd be in so much, like they just had such a negative reaction to it. Now they're fine. They eat dairy, all the time. But when I was breastfeeding, man, we, and let me tell you as a mother for sleep, the least I could do to give myself sleep was give up dairy. I gave it up. I gave it up for both times for however long I breastfed. Um, and I'm still really now picky about the dairy that I eat because it cleared up my skin so well that I just am very picky, um, about what things I'll indulge in, but I do love like pizza and stuff, but this is the big thing. If you have never known about the Taco Bell black bean crunch wrap. I I hope I've enlightened you. Like, I hope this does something for you because it was so exciting to me when I found it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is delicious. Um, because I mean, I mean, you can never beat a classic bean burrito from Taco Bell. You just can't that, that red sauce they use. I don't even want to know what it's made out of, but you just can't. Mm -mm. It is as close to my heart as a McDonald's Coke, but that is the big news. I figured out my little two minute plug. I had to tell you about my Taco Bell discovery. Um, But yeah, so now we're going to jump into this week's episode. And I wasn't sure, like, I always like to try and think of really cool titles. Like, that's fun for me. Or I don't know if they're cool. They're fun and kitschy to me. But um, I thought that I would, I want to go back to talking about identity. Um, I know we talked about the caterpillar and the butterfly and how, you know, as moms, really, we need to see ourselves as these phoenixes. And I think that that's in any form of life. And because of course, and I say this on every episode, I am not an expert. I have no degrees. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not an early ed teacher. I am just a mom with a podcast sharing with you 
my thoughts and musings along the daily life of parenting. Um, And this will for sure, a lot of you have um, asked me, and again, I say a lot of you because 10 of you feels like a lot. So I don't want you to feel like, oh, geez, how many people actually DM'd you, Amanda? But a lot of you have said like, hey, I'm I'm a younger listener. I want you to talk about college. I want you to talk about marriage. I want you to talk about relationships. And so this is actually going the, the idea of this episode, the misconceptions of misconceptions of motherhood, is gonna really focus on that identity and the misconceptions about being a mom and your identity that I just probably in the last couple years have started to discover as a mom of three. Um, And as you begin to realize that identity can't actually be taken from you, we freely give it over. And if we want that identity, we have to prize ourselves enough to fight for it in a really loving way. So let's just let's just jump in with a story that I did get permission from Blake to share uh, because it's about him and when we were dating. And I love telling the story because I think it makes me sound like a good girlfriend. And it actually is a really special memory because it's about the first time that Blake said something to me that was really meaningful. Um, And you'll know what I mean by that. He says stuff that's meaningful all the time, but this specifically, these words that he said to me. So picture it. We are in college and we're living down in Los Angeles. I attended Azusa Pacific University for my final two years of college. I spent my first two at Sac State. And Blake had gone to APU, so we call it, um, his entire college career. And during his semester abroad, he did like, well, it was a summer abroad, actually. It was like an intensive business summer abroad trip for eight weeks. And I tell you, oh my gosh, I, man, emotions in college are so like I would wait literally till 2 a.m. to talk to him on Skype. And I think on that trip, I got to talk to him maybe four times in eight weeks. Like that, that was it. And it was very like, I mean, you could not even talk on Skype. It was so spotty. So anyways, so he's getting ready to come home and I am like prepping everything. Now we lived in separate apartments on campus. We had on-campus housing. And so I was so excited he was coming back. I was getting like all the stuff together so I could have all my things done because I was working during the summer. I stayed down there and worked and did summer housing just so I could be there when he got back. Um, And so he was getting ready to come home and I get a call from his mom, my now mother-in-law, that he has contracted E. coli. (laughs) He ate somewhere in Prague at some restaurant. Um, We didn't know it was E. coli at the time. We found that out later through testing. But he he contracted something that was very, very sick. Now, you know, they probably would never let him fly. But he literally was having massive vomiting and diarrhea on the plane back that they actually allowed him to land. Like, they basically landed when he was in the bathroom because he could not not go to the bathroom. So she called me finding out because of how travel goes. We were like, I was a day, I had like a day to prepare. And she just said, Hey, look, he's really sick. They're not sure what it is, but he has just been ill. So I like go to the store. I'm buying Gatorade. I literally the day before he was supposed to return, I look at my roommate. I'm like, Hey, want to spend the day driving to LAX? And she's like, what? No, why? Like, this is Los Angeles, Amanda. Have you set on a freeway lately? Um, but I was like, I need to find out the best route um, for bathrooms. I wanted to know where bathrooms were along the way, because if he's having massive diarrhea, like, <laughs> I don't, well, one, 
he needs a place to go. And two, it's not my car. (laughs) So I'm going and I'm like mapping it out with my girlfriend, Alyssa, who was like the best roommate ever because she's just one of those people where she is, she's always got your back, but she's just not going to mince words. She's going to tell you what's up. She's going to be honest with you. And like, I need that in my life. I can't take beat around the bush, like just be upfront with me. And so she was like the best roommate that I fell into when we got paired together randomly. Anyways, that's another story for another time. We'll get into college roommates sometime. That's a fun one. But um, so we go, we drive, we're on the freeways. We're driving from basically Azusa, which if you're not familiar with Los Angeles, is like 15 minutes out of Pasadena. It's right like next to Glendora, not Glendale, Glendora. Um, and so it's not a short drive to LAX. So we go, we look, I look along the way for bathrooms. I'm like map questing stuff at the time. Hindsight y'all. Why didn't I just map quest this and look at it? I don't know. It was in the heat of the moment. So we drove. So then I go to pick up Blake the next day and he looks like death when he comes off the plane. Like literally if someone looked green, it was Blake. He looked so green. I, of course, still wanted myself to look fabulous, so I, like, made sure I looked adorable. I, although, I, looking back at the photos, I did have my roommate take a photo of me that day. The hair was a little I, – I don't think I would do it again. It was, like, really ringlet curled. I don't know. It was, like, 2008, you guys. Anyways, so I get him in the car. I give him a little Gatorade. He can barely hold it down. I'm like, do you want to pop an Imodium, a Tums? I had everything. I was, like, a little traveling drugstore of things you could buy. And so we get home and I realize he is just beyond. So I call his mom and I'm like, Pam, something's wrong. Like this is not, he does not look good. And she's like, you got to take him to the doctor. And if, if you know Blake at all, Blake does not go to the doctor. Like, I don't even know, like he just never goes. He's like, it'll go away. It'll be fine. It's fine. You know, whatever. So I force him to the doctor and this is the point of the story here, right? They tell him you need a stool test. And for those of you that don't know what a stool test, a stool sample is, it's when you got to scoop the poop, okay? You got to catch it in a foil. Now they give you this like really nice little pooper bedpan to catch it in. But this, we did not get a bedpan. They were like, yeah, just put a little foil or what, you know, just put it underneath the toilet seat, have, you know, go a little and then scoop it. And I, in my head, like when he comes out and tell me, tells me this, I'm like, Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Oh, <laughs> like, how are you going to do that? And he's like, I just, and he's, I'm not kidding you. He is in between like awake and not with it. He just was ill. You know, when someone just feels so horrible, they just don't even talk. So we get in the car and he, we get to his apartment and I get him set up and I'm like concerned. So I call my mom. I'm like, yo, I want to let you know, I'm going to sleep on the couch. I'm going to stay here till Blake falls asleep. I'll head back to my apartment. Um, and then I'll come back in the morning, um, cause his roommates were in and out and stuff like that. And they had summer classes, um, and other things going on. So it's not like they couldn't stop, you know, but I still had work. So I was like, okay, I'll come over in the morning. I'll check on him again. Um, and because I wanted to make sure he could get to the toilet to like vomit or, you know, go diarrhea. So it comes around the first night and he's just like unable to like move quickly. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just crashing, crashing on the couch. So I crashed on the couch. I had a mattress on the floor for him because he didn't want to be in the room with his roommates in case he did vomit or something like that. So he gets up the next day. I come back from work and I'm like, you got to do the stool samples, Blake. And he's like, okay. 
So he's out of it. He can't do it. So this is the story. This is in this relationship. I scooped his poop. I'm not kidding you. We had been dating a year and a half. I lined the toilet. I said, call me when you're done. And he was like, you can't do this. And I was like, we don't have options here, Blake. You can barely functionally stand up. I go in. I say, call me when you're done. He goes to the bathroom. He you know, pulls up his pants, does what he needs to, comes out. I go in. I scoop the poop. And I had to do this for two days. Um, and I had to do four vials of it. Because you had to have like different types of stool. And I won't even go into that. Gosh, I should have I should have pre-warned you if you're eating. <laughs> I'm sorry if you're snacking right now. But I'm – anyways, so I did this for him. And I will never forget it. Blake, when we started dating, had a really big role. He would not say, I love you. Now, this wasn't because he cared any less for me than, you know, someone that would say I love you. It was because Blake felt incredibly strong about the weight of those words. And he said, when I tell you I love you, you'll know it's because I actually genuinely love you. And when I tell you I love you, you'll probably know that you're the person that I want to spend my life with. His his whole talk to me while we were dating is when I say I love you, it'll probably be in the same breath I ask you to marry me. Now, of course, that was not at this point because we were wanting to finish school. But who would have known that this happened? So we find out from the doctor he has contracted some form of E. coli. I don't know all the details. I'm not a doctor. I barely remember it. But I took care of him for that week and a half or 10 days or so before we went back home for the summer as I finished up. And as I was getting his like dry toast, because the only thing he could hold down, and I was getting ready to leave for my job at Bath and Body Works, which I actually loved working there. He looked at me and he said, I love you. And I laughed. <laughs> I laughed. Literally, my response to I love you was laughing because I didn't know what else to say. I was so shocked and floored and like nervous. Um, I ended up reciprocating it, of course, and saying I love you back and all that stuff. But I was like, <laughs> I am Leia. And I left for work. I mean, it's awkward, but Blake knew me. Blake knows me. Sometimes when things emotionally get a little intense, I am humor. Like if I was a friend's character, it would be Chandler. So why do I tell you this story? How does that relate to motherhood? Where am I going with this? Um, have you turned me off yet? No. So here's the point of the story. When we are in relationships with people we care about, we do things that seem abnormal to other people not in them. For example... As a mom, we do things for our kids all the time that if you're not a mom, you think is disgusting. Um, well, not that you do, but I do. Like, for example, I will wipe my child's nose, but let me tell you something. I, I don't want to touch another child's nose. Like, if, even my kids with snot, I can barely get through it, like if it's my own child. Um, when it comes to dirty diapers, will I change kids' diapers? Sure, I'll help out a friend or something. But before having kids, before meeting these tiny humans – and building this relationship with them and growing to love them, I, I wouldn't have done these things out of the norm, right? Like I wouldn't walk up to someone and be like, can I help change the diaper? I just feel so passionate about that. No. But, but when you care and love about some, love someone, you do things for them. You care about them. You care for them, right? Now, I will do a whole nother episode on you know, love and that instant love that people talk about with babies and 
what it's like when you don't feel that because I have experienced both sides of that. And I think it's really important to touch on that because I think so often people feel alone when they don't automatically love their child like they would die for them out of the womb. I think sometimes we don't realize that, yes, you love your baby, but you're also getting to know them. They're a person and you fall in love with the person they become in this really cool mom way. Like you just care about them as they get older. I, I just think that's so important. But how does that tie into our identity as a mom or a person? Well, a lot of times there's this huge culture, mom culture, obviously, and in the culture, there's so much talk about identity and how it gets lost for moms. Why is that? Um, It's twofold, I think. I think it has a lot to do with the societal pressures we feel where everything is focused on the baby coming out of the womb and immediately the questions don't turn to how is the mom? It turns to where's the baby? How was the baby? How much did it weigh? How's it going? Oh, good. The mom's okay. Okay. Where's it on the growth chart? Is it eating? Is it sleeping? And every conversation every conversation begins to solely focus on that. And what happens, or at least what I personally observe and feel happened for me as a parent, as a mom, was I slowly allowed that to be the only conversation. Because one, I was in love with my child. Like you're so enamored with what has happened and you want to talk about your kids and you're proud of them. But then something happens. And you start to feel lost. And whether that comes out in the form of feeling angry that you don't have time for you, feeling depressed or things, we forget how to almost fight for ourselves in a sense. See, because in so many other relationships, like when I started dating my husband, Blake, it didn't always become about Blake and Amanda. The conversation still would involve me to some level. Oh, Amanda, what are you doing? Oh, da da da. There were still these separate entities, even though the two became one. And I see that as two people working on the same team. You don't become the same human being, obviously. The identity doesn't get lost. But I think sometimes because of the way things are seen or the way we feel or how we assume being a good mom looks, we don't realize the slow handing over of our identity. And I'm not saying that being a mom is not the greatest thing that I've ever done. It is, I love that it is such a big part of my identity. But over the last couple years, when I had my third little one, Corey, when I had her, and I told people this, and I talk about this openly, when I found out I was pregnant with her, I was terrified and devastated. And that's not because I was ungrateful. And I don't think that assuming that is fair. I I have several friends who have struggled with infertility, and I know how much a baby means. But it doesn't mean that for me at the place that I was at, this wasn't earth-shattering because I already felt like I was drowning. I already felt like I didn't have a place. But when I had Corey, and I realized that I was in this place where if I didn't start to do something, I would feel like I got lost in the shuffle. And what would that look for me when my kids hopefully prayerfully grew up to be people they wanted to be and moved on and created their lives and their identity as they grow. See, because it's this slow, slow, slow little overtaking that you don't realize is happening. Imagine for a second, you get a new job, right? And some of you may have experienced this. You're in a job or you're in a sport or whatever it is. If you have a a boss who starts to ask you to stay late all the time. He starts with, oh, hey, can you do this extra report? And you're like, yeah, I can do that before I leave. Sure. Quick 15 minutes. No big deal. The next week, he's like, hey, actually, you know what? Do you mind staying for a couple hours? We've got a team meeting. And you're like, yeah, I'm a team player. I'll be there totally. You know, I want to work. I'm here. I'm going to get it done. And you get a lot of pride from that because you love your job, right? 
But then, fast forward a year or two later, you're working 80-hour, 100-hour work weeks. You don't know what happened, and you don't have a life outside of work. Now, is that the boss's fault? Yeah, probably, because he saw he could ask for things. Is that your fault? Not necessarily, but did you want to help? Did you slowly allow yourself to unknowingly have that become the main focus and the only thing? Now, I hope I'm not offending anyone here because I don't think there's anything wrong with having mom as a part of your identity, right? My mom was a stay-at-home mom. Being Being a mom was what she did. But what I realized as I was growing up and becoming a human being was that my mom had so many different facets to her. Have you ever seen those things? I can't think of what they're called. And if someone knows what they're called, tag me so I don't remember. But you know, you put them up to your eye and as you turn them, the light hits them and you can see all these different spheres. It's like looking into a stained glass window or something like that when the sun hits it. You can see all these colors. There's so many different aspects to it. But that's how people are. And I think a common misconception about motherhood is you can't be a good mother unless it's all about motherhood. Even how we talk to each other. I respond to friends, hey, mama, what's up? And I love that. It's an identity, right? It's part of you. It's a community. It's incredible. But I think that there is this place where it it doesn't have to be the whole thing. And I'm not saying... Like, go out and do what you want and, you know, you, you, you. Like, that's that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. So anyone who's thinking, oh, you, you don't want a mom. You're just lucky to have that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that every time we say no to something that's important to us, for example, taking five minutes to yourself Or telling your little one, your tiny human, hey, can you wait for one second? I will get that snack in five minutes. And even if they're frustrated at you, be like, well, you know, mommy really wants to do this and take that moment to explain to them why you're doing that for you and why that's okay for them to do too. See, what's cool about treating your kids as people is you talk to them as such. Hey, we're in this together. And I think it's so funny because people always want to say, are you you are you your kid's parent or are you their friend? And I don't know where that came from, but I don't believe in those two camps. I'm not, I'm not just my kid's parent, and I don't eventually turn into their friend when they get older. I'm my kid's person. They come to me, they trust me, I'm there for them. But you know what? I also ask things of them too, things that are within their reach. So when I ask my kids to wait for something, I go, hey, you know, I really want to grab this right now. I want to take this phone call from a friend. And when I'm done, I would love to get that for you or I would love to sit with you. But I need to take this phone call really quick because it's important to mommy. Is there stuff that's important to you? Do you like to watch a TV show without having to stop and pick up your toys? And they'll always respond with, yeah, I want to wait to pick up my toys. Well, that's how mommy feels right now. Can you let, can you give mommy a moment? Because in those small ways, you're also showing your tiny humans that you're a person too. And you have needs too. And instead of just saying, yeah, I'll get it, whatever, and then resenting it because you feel like you don't have anything for yourself and you can't take a minute for yourself, you're being honest with your kids. And in that moment, it might feel like a failing. 
someone might say, well, how long does it take you to get a fruit snack? Suck it up and do it. And you know what? Sure. Okay. I've done that. I've been like, you know, this will take me five seconds. I can grab it while I'm on the phone. But the misconception about motherhood is that it controls you. And it does in some ways have a lot of control. Okay. So it's, let's be honest. You have tiny people who depend on you, which I love, who you feed, who you clothe, who you do. But there comes a time when a moment pops up when it's okay to say, actually, in this small moment right here, I'm not going to fold the laundry. And that doesn't make me a bad mom. That means that I'm going to take this time for myself. Better yet, When I do go to fold the laundry, I'll have my kids come and I'll give them a pile that's okay to be tossed around and thrown around or I'll have them match the socks or we'll do it together. So then I can feel like I'm getting the help that I need and I can feel like I'm not the only one doing anything and I can feel like I got something for myself. I got a comment the other day. Someone said, I'm terrified to be a mom because it just looks like the only form of self-care you guys get is brushing your teeth and taking a shower. And I will tell you, in different seasons of life, that is self-care. When I had my babies and as an infant, specifically London, I was so overwhelmed and underprepared, as you are with any new thing in life, of what to do that I didn't, I, I couldn't even functionally, like I felt like I had to be there at all moments, at all times. Like don't, don't miss a thing. You cannot miss a thing. Mm-mm. You're in charge. You got to do it all. But when I had my third child, Corey, I realized after a conversation with a friend that if I didn't in some small ways start creating an identity that motherhood was a big part of, but that also had Amanda involved in it, that Amanda was actually the identity and motherhood was the branch out of that, that Amanda is the identity, but like a McDonald's Coke is a part of that. Amanda is the identity, but I love musicals. If I didn't just allow that to become a part of who I am rather than fighting it to be the sole identity or fighting it by being like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm me. I'm not going to give in by embracing it and saying, I can still be this person and I can still do this thing. And if I need help and if I'm feeling mom guilt, I'm going to call someone who's going to remind me that my kids seeing me take care of myself in any shape or form. And I'm not just talking about exercise or healthy eating. I'm talking about sitting there and laying on the floor in the middle of the kitchen, not unloading the dishwasher and turning on Whitney Houston and laying on the floor just grooving. Because I have done that. I have laid on my kitchen floor on my back and just looked at the ceiling and been like, who wants to lay down with me? I need a minute. Because your kids are people too. And this cyclical, societal, weird thing that says, oh, well, when you're a mom, you don't get to. Oh, well, when you're a mom, you're a bad mom if. It needs to kind of get taken down brick by brick. Because is anyone is anyone watching that show Yellowstone? We just started watching it with Kevin Costner. And don't worry, I'm not rabbit trailing. This has a point. The show Yellowstone, I'm only on like episode four, so I don't know the meaning of it yet, but there are certain guys on this ranch that are branded. And Kevin Costner, like I'm talking branded with a cow brand, like you know where they burn them to say this is our cattle. So there are certain guys on the ranch that have this Y for Yellowstone. 
And Kevin Costner tells the guy, they need, well, actually, his right-hand guy says, we need a new cowboy on the ranch. And Kevin Costner, okay, okay, go, go, go get one. But go give him a why. Go get a why guy, basically. And the guy goes, okay, well, do you have anyone in mind? And he goes, the, the why is something that is not, like, already there. It's something you live up to. So the why is given freely, and it's something you live up to. And I just sat there thinking about that. It's something basically you you live up to, right? And, And what does that look like? What does living up to it mean? See, we have kiddos and we're given these awesome kiddos, right? We're given these tiny humans and we immediately feel like we have something to live up to. I've been given this gift and that's great. That's great. You do want to be a good parent. And I feel like the need to literally like make sure I'm balancing everything out because I don't want anyone to hear what I'm not saying. But the misconception of motherhood is that you have to freely give over your identity. The misconception of motherhood is it becomes the only thing that you are. Now, you are with your kids day and night 24-7, right? When your kids go to school, do they just become a student? I spend eight hours there a day. When you go to work every day, whether that's for 40, 60, 80, I know a lot of friends of ours who work longer hours than that, do you just become that employee? At times you do. And the most important thing you can do is to realize that you have the control over that. The misconception of motherhood is that it's the only thing that you become. It's one of the greatest things I've ever done. It's one of my my most prized things because I love being a parent to my kids. But it is not the only thing that I am. And it is not the only thing that I'll ever be because when my kids do grow up, even though I will still be a mom, they will be people. And their own people. And then, if you notice it, when you go from having little kids to having high schoolers, then to having college, once your kids are graduated, how often do you go to coffee dates besides just to hear updates on the kids, right? This all-enveloping identity that only ever talked about like all the time when you have kids who are young becomes something that's just like, oh, yeah, oh, the kids are home for the weekend. That's exciting. And it's just kind of like a a chat. So what do you want to add to that conversation? Because you don't just have to be one thing. You can still have different facets to yourself. You can have it be a branch of who you are. And even in different seasons, it might take on full force, all enveloping. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? I have three kids. And when they when the third one came, I had an infant not even a two-year-old, and a four-year-old. And let me tell you, that was all-encompassing. I felt like I got hit by a tornado. But as time goes on, the beauty of it is that it becomes a part of your identity, but it doesn't become your only identity. Just like me scooping Blake's poop didn't just make me a poop scooper or just his girlfriend or just his wife. I'm still me, but I have this really cool person I get to do life with. And that to me is like the the best. 
I would have scooped his poop a thousand times over to get to do life with him because he's a gem. (laughs) But that's the thing. And I don't know why it is that way. I think it's so strange. I think it's so strange that motherhood, and I don't know if it's mom culture or what it is, and I'm sure we'll dive into it more, but it's funny how it becomes something that people think has to be in every facet of every aspect. Do things take more planning? Yes. Do we still go on date nights? Yes. I have a long list of babysitters. And I always, always am adding new ones because you, you got to have that babysitting list, y'all. My best advice, have no less than seven girls or boys or whoever you want to babysit your kids that you can call when something comes up to babysit. That's, I mean, I have a long list. My mother-in-law gave me that advice. Um, having that list, do I still get to do my hobbies? No, not as often because I wanted to take on the role of raising some really cool humans. And so I find different things and different hobbies. And I take an hour during nap time to try and film a podcast that I hope encourages someone or brings light to their day or joy to their heart, no matter what you're doing. But something that I have learned is not that you can have it all because you can't, you can't like it's, that's not true, but that you can have a buffet of things. And being a mom is like a giant buffet bar, right? It's like the main thing that holds everything. And within that, within that, you have other things. So whatever stage of life you're in, mom, not a mom, maybe you're, you know, the person who has allowed the job to overtake everything. Maybe you're the student who feels like all you're known for is your grades or your sports. But remember, just because that's how other people see it doesn't make it true. It's not an all or nothing thing. I can still be a really good mom and have my kids sit on an iPad out there while the other one naps while I film this podcast. I can still be a really good mom saying no to things that I don't want to do because I want to spend time with my kids. But remember that seasons of life come and seasons of life go, and sometimes they feel heavier than others. But just because somebody says it's all-encompassing and that's all you can be and that's what it has to be doesn't make it true. You don't have to hand that over to anybody. Your identity is what you make it. You have control over that. You get to have the say in that. And being a mom is one of the biggest parts of my life, and I love it. But I'm a lot of other things, too. And I love showing that to my kids. And I love sharing that with my kids. Because that's what life's about. Being a mom has taught me some of the greatest things ever in the whole wide world that I never would have had. It's made me fight for myself. Because life can be all-encompassing. And that's not just for moms. Anything you do in life can be all-encompassing. Look at Olympic athletes. So those are my thoughts and musings for today. The misconception of motherhood is that you you lose your identity. But I think it's a slow trickle that we hand over without knowing it. And it takes us realizing that being a good mom and being yourself are one and the same. As long as you love them and you love you. So that is today's episode. 
I hope you enjoyed that. I hope that made sense. I feel the need to make so many other disclaimers because I, of course, don't want people to not to hear what I'm not saying. But I think we're just going to leave it there. And I'm excited to see where the next episode takes us. And as always, I'm so grateful you're here.